partner, the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. Are you feeling extreme, Lee? I'm feeling so extreme. I'm pumped up after attending WWE Extreme Rules featuring one steel chair, one set of steel steps, one steel cage, one announce table, and one kendo stick. And if you really want to be generous, you can say one barricade, because it was used as a weapon in a way that it is not normally used as a weapon. I was being generous with the announce table of the steel cage (laughs) and the steel steps. In what... What I've is seen more extreme episodes of Raw. I've seen more extreme episodes I, of I you were Sunday s- Night Heat. I thought you were going to say I've seen more ep- extreme episodes of Friends for some reason. I think so. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just call it docile rules. Cause that's pretty much what it was. Standard rules. That's a good pay-per-view name. Uh, just above standard rules. Uh, just, 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 just. B-grade rules. A slight bend in the rules. A slight. In the first match, you can't get disqualified. Oh, That's a no. You can get disqualified, but it's not allowed. It, you can, but if you do, it's bad. Extra bad. Yeah, it's it's actually, if you get extreme, you will lose the match and your championship if you are the champion. Yeah. Which seems odd. Odd way to start an extreme rules pay-per-view. Yeah. But I guess we should explain. Extreme Rules uh, 2017 was in the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, which we attended live. We were in the cheap seats. We were in the cheapest of seats, but it's okay because it was fine. I hit a wall. I literally hit a wall. You marked out for Finn Balor. I did. And you injured yourself. I mean, injured is a strong Admit word. Admit it. I mean, injured is a strong word. You were up there, and you were letting the demon out. That sounds like a really bad euphemism. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. But, okay. So, so uh, before we tread too far, uh, what what were your thoughts on Extreme Rules as a whole? Good, bad? I've heard good. A lot of people really liked it. So, not uh, not terrible. Not the greatest. I, I'm just not a on fan. On a one through five scale, not terrible. Not terrible. Um, the main event really saved it. It made the show. I wouldn't say saved it, but it really capped off the show, which wasn't that bad to begin with. Some of the stipulations, like the Miz match and the Hardys match, were a little weird. Uh, obviously the Bailey match. I don't know what happened there, but that was that was awful. Well, they're playing it up as. Uh, Alexa, so the the kendo stick comes down, and Bailey hesitates and didn't want to use it. She couldn't go extreme, and Alexa made her pay for it, and it ended up being a squash that you and I both commented in the moment. That was a really short match. Yeah, it was like blinking. You would have missed it. but um. Given that all the rest of the matches on the card, except for the, the Rich Swan-Sasha Banks match, were all, I think, at least 15, 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, maybe 10 minutes for some, but, um, it was a heel-heavy night. A lot of heels went over besides Rich Swan and, and Alicia, or, uh, Sasha Banks. Alicia and Fox going over Alicia on a Fox, view. whatever. Um, oh. It's, it's sad that Sasha's stock has dropped so low, and I'm not saying a slight against Alicia or Noam Dar or, uh, Rich Swan, but it's like, 
they were doing this storyline and it was their thing and it was like well where can we stick Sasha because we don't have anything for her you know and, and it dropped down to that but uh, they could she could have gotten the Dana Brooke Mickey James treatment and not even been on the card yeah true. so at least she was at least they had a storyline that was able to fit her in because I would have to imagine that that is probably going to be the SummerSlam match is Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. Mm, yeah, it could be. I mean, that's that's a money match for Raw. Yeah, for the women's for the Raw women's title. Yeah, it could be, but you you also got to remember like uh, SummerSlam is going to be dual branded, so a lot of stuff isn't going to make the card. So it's going to be the really the two strong. women's titles will be on that card. One of them probably won't be a title match like we saw at Mania. Yeah. But the two women's titles will be on that card. I, yeah. They are not going to skip out on that. The tag titles might not both be on that card, but the women's titles will be, and the SmackDown tag titles will probably be the ones that are on that card because New Day will likely be champions. That's true. Or at least involved in the but title But you got match. the Hardys, you know, and the Hardys are definitely going to be on the card, whether Somehow. that's a tag match or, you know, we'll see where they're going to go. Stop Stop insinuating that there might be a broken gimmick coming. <laughs> I'm not. I'm we, just saying we'll see. Um, but, yeah, can for, we, I, I'm not a huge fan of gimmick-themed pay-per-views. Neither am I. Very few of them actually work. The and only I think you, like, you just tire out the gimmick. Like, if you have three Hell in a Cell matches on a card, like, it's not that special. I think that's why I like Elimination Chamber, if you're going to do any of them. Or I should take it back. Because even then, if you keep it at two, now that you have, well, back in the day when you had two world titles and you could defend each of them on the same night, yeah, you could do really fun things with that. You could have two very different matches, and then that was fine. That certainly satiated it for a year. But now, what they've kind of gotten into is Elimination Chamber turned into a, like, oh, well, now we don't have enough titles, but we want to have more than one. Let's have an intercontinental title match. for in no. Yeah. Or the tag team title match, which was just weird, although there were a couple of good spots. But the one they did yeah. a couple of years ago, uh, the New Day were all, were all in one cell. It wasn't all three of them. I think uh, Woods was on the outside. Uh, but yeah, was, but like, like to your point, when you start messing with it, it kind of cheap. Like, come up with a new gimmick match if you want to do like a tag team cage. This but November, we bring you Punjabi Prison. <laughs> Live on paper. Every match is inside of Punjabi prison. Well, that mainly I mean, because we don't know how to take it down. <laughs> didn't TNA do that? Didn't they have like um, lockdown? Probably. Every match was in a cage. I think that's what lockdown was. I don't remember if it was every match or if it was like most of them. But that was, was essentially a TNA for some years idea. at least. But well, because like they had, I think it was, and I think remember the cell that they had for lockdown. You could climb out through the ceiling because it was a like a cell. That was, uh, it encompassed like the whole ring. It went up like a dome over top of the ring. I think Almost that was a different like, match because that was sure? like a red cage that had like a dome at the top. I think lockdown was just a cage. Lethal lockdown. <laughs> Hardcore justice. <laughs> yes. Slam anniversary. Um, hi, pay per view provider. I would like to order TNA. Hardcore, Hardcore justice. justice. No, for, it's for, not what you think. For me and my son to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, it's not um, what you think. Yes, um, and the police will be there soon. So can we, uh, before we we stray, Samoa Joe is number one contender. Yep. Yeah, no um, one called that. 
<laughs> well, I it makes sense. The only thing that I don't like is I have a very strong feeling it's going to get really over, and they're only going to do it once. Well, they're going to bury Samoa Joe is really the feeling. Is they're, I, I really Samoa hope Joe's going to walk into a mutilation, which, although Raw would make you think that's not what they're going to try and do. Raw would make you think that they're really re- going to take him serious. I really liked the angle that was shot with Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was different. It was good. And you could t- like this episode of Raw this week. You could tell that they kind of put a little more effort into it. This was a good Raw. It, w- it was good, and it was up. You know, coincidentally, it was a good Raw, and it was up fourteen <laughs> percent. Well, and we'll see what they do next next week. Brock Lesnar has been announced, so yeah, so it'll probably do a better. At least his segment. Will I would be say rated. I would say they'll probably go the whole build. Those two won't touch. It just sounded weird when Samoa Joe said, I will be facing Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire, which yeah. in-house, we we could not see the uh, the video. The, we couldn't see the Titantron, the stage, really, except for the part of the ramp. And we couldn't see the scoreboard, which had the video uh, board on it. So It was double heard, obstructed view. It, was, it said it was obstructed view. We could see the view, ring great. And we could see a sliver into Gorilla. Uh, that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. It was like we were guessing who the shiny person was yeah. that was about to come walking out. Oh, no, it's Maurice. Yeah. Plot um, twist, it's Maurice. Plot twist, it's Maurice. Nobody saw that coming. We got swerved. Um, but you look at uh, Samoa Joe now being number one contender. They have that moment with um, with Paul Heyman on Raw. And an interesting decision, nobody was holding a microphone. So you just heard crowd confusion and a turned-up camera microphone as Joe is explaining to Paul Heyman what he's going to do to him. In a, I see this two different ways. It would have been weird if Joe did this in a mic. That's not to say, though, Heyman couldn't have still had it one in his hand, and he had it up a little bit so he could catch it in-house, because there's nothing but people in-house just being confused. I think it caused a lot of issue. That being said... I loved what they did with Samoa Joe basically saying something bad is about to happen to you. And he explained that I'm going to grab you. I'm going to wrap around, wrap my arm around your neck and I'm going to squeeze and I'm going to keep squeezing. And it was a really good build to that moment. Yeah. Um, and, and Heeman, I'm just an advocate actually meant more in that moment than it has in a long time. Yeah. Heyman took, uh, quite a beating i mean he's taken them before but not you know this was pretty big and it'll be interesting to see uh brock's reaction you know i think that Heyman is a huge asset especially if you're not gonna have brock there every week or every other week or at all since wrestlemania i mean how long has it been this will be brock's first, first appearance title since the night after wrestlemania yeah so he he showed up on raw after WrestleMania, and we have not seen him since. Yeah, so. And uh, Mania, I believe, was April 2nd. So we haven't seen him since, if I'm not mistaken, April 3rd? So two months. It's, it's, a, it's a long time when you're producing, you know, three hours a week and two-hour pay-per-views a month. And it's a long time not to have your world champion or well, universal champion. And – so it'll be interesting to see when he comes back and and what they do. I would hate to have another like Kevin Owens Goldberg squash match, especially with Joe, 
because this is somewhat of like a 2003 dream match, you know? Well, I, I would say so. I think people, if you listen to the creative people, uh, and I bring this up because in the lead up to Extreme Rules, we had some time to kill and watched the latest Table for Three on the network, which actually was really entertaining. It was, uh, it was Jim Cornette and Eric Bischoff sitting with Michael P.S. Hayes. Mm-hmm. So, and it was uh, something about the title, something create, creative, something. Uh, but go find it. It's the most recent one. It's actually really interesting because Cornette immediately starts talking. Yeah. They set down the dishes and Cornette is running his mouth. Cornette um, is great. <laughs> I no, I love Cornette. That's what makes Cornette. I wonderful. could watch if they could have do an extended cut of that table for three episode. That was like an hour an long, hour, and I two hours. I would watch it. I would sit and watch it because I would like to see the things they didn't show. Because yeah. you you could tell with that kind of show, it's super overproduced. Yeah, like the conversation I think is real, but they cut it down so much. But the first like it's, I think it's only twenty minutes long. Yeah, and the first. Like, ten minutes is before they even get the food, which is weird if you've ever seen that format. Yeah, just actually serve them food. And, like, you could even, like, intercut the conversation when you want to make cuts with, like, what food you're preparing. Like, make it a little bit of, like, Food Network mixed with, like, wrestling podcasts. Make it an hour, two hours. Put it on the network and people will watch it. I mean, it's not like they film 20 minutes of three guys talking. They probably film a couple hours or an hour. So they – um. The reason I bring this up and the reason we discuss it is because one of them mentioned that they would really love for WrestleMania 34 to be Joe versus Brock. And little did we know we were going to see the setup for that later that night. Yeah, that that is crazy. Um, Joe versus Brock has always been an interesting match in my mind because it's like it could be it could be one of the best feuds of all time. But two things have to happen. One, it shouldn't start at Great Balls of Fire. No, it can start there. It's fine. <laughs> Two things have to, and they're really big things, right? Vince has to believe in Samoa Joe, and Brock has to want to do business with Samoa Joe. When Brock does not want to do business with somebody, we get Ambrose Brock at WrestleMania. When Brock does want to do business with somebody, we get Goldberg Brock at WrestleMania, or we get uh, we get Undertaker Brock, or we get well that that wasn't a great match. Well, yes, but we got three matches out of it, and they the were all actually pretty interesting. The SummerSlam match was good, which created the greatest wrestling gif <laughs> of all time that doesn't have any wrestling moves in it. Yes, of Undertaker laughing, and it's one of the creepiest things, but it's so fantastic. Yeah, I would. I, I popped for to- that. I would hate to like just make him laugh in real life after seeing that. That's probably the scariest <laughs> thing he's ever done. He's living, which again. is really, really <laughs> saying something. After crucifying Stephanie McMahon, or cru- when it was crucifying Stone Cold Steve Austin, hanging the Big Boss Man, and almost, uh, well, marrying Stephanie McMahon, but like doing a blood sacrifice type thing with her. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just like it wasn't it wasn't like when Triple H drugged her and took her to the drive-through chapel. No, McMahon, she's been through a lot. <laughs> what is with the people and trying to marry her? I don't know. Every wedding she's involved with just goes terribly. Most of the time it's her own, but remember Billy and Chuck? Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> I think there's only been one wrestling wedding 
that was that was uninterrupted, and that You're was correct. Hogan, or that was Savage uh, Elizabeth. Slip of the Freudian slip there with Freudian Hogan slip. and Elizabeth. I'm still living that uh, storyline. It's still real to me. It's still real to me. Um, yes, I believe you're correct. The only wrestling wedding, at least in WWE, that's ever happened that's gone off without a hitch was was Savage Elizabeth. And remember, right after that wedding, they didn't show it on the pay-per-view, I don't believe, but right after that wedding is when uh, they got the wedding gift from Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah, which was obviously... A snake. <laughs> Big um, surprise. Do you think that they're going to do a Cena-Nikki marriage at this year's SummerSlam? No. They will save that for Total Bellas. Wow. They will, the entire, whatever season of Total Bellas, that ends up, I think it'll probably be the next one. The next season of Total Bellas will be building to their wedding. Yeah. I, I It's just, I cannot see it going any other direction. Yeah. I have seen... One episode of Total Divas in my life, and it was actually the Rusev Lana wedding very recently. And it's so cheesy and it's so done up, and you could see every bit of the Real Housewives aspects of it. Well, on that, but it's just like like, I know those guys. On that note, we have Lana back on SmackDown Live, but not Russo or or Rusev. (laughs) There's so many Freudian slips happening. The Archbishop of Talonberry. Um, but not Rusev, who said he was coming back, like, what, a month ago? Yeah, he did. I remember that, actually. I'd forgotten nothing. about it entirely. Nothing. Uh, you wonder, maybe they're putting a little bit of a breathing room between the two. Um, what do you know. think about Lana's new character? Well, obviously. Her it's new the, gimmick. It's obviously, the, it's the Eva Marie slot, right? It was, it, was, it was the spot that Eva Marie was supposed to take before she hightailed it's, it. It's Eva Marie meets Summer Rae. It's kind of yeah. like the yeah. the dancing kind of gimmick, like, but it's also like she's she's kind of coming out in like these really nice dresses that we've seen. I the crowd popped pretty big for her actually. Yeah, they're they're gonna try to make her a heel, but it's she's gonna get it over as a baby face. She always has been. Yeah, Lana. They always chant for Lana. She's one of the few women's wrestlers from the era just before the quote divas revolution. Yeah, that was getting regular pops. So so that's gonna be interesting. So but anyway, do you want to wrap up uh, Extreme Rules or Raw SmackDown? Because I, I want to talk about a very interesting uh, study that came out. But I want to I get through. Okay, well, we'll do that just one second. We are not far off from Money in the Bank. We will do a f- full preview of that next week. Okay. What do you think about Money in the Bank, how it's shaping up? Are you excited about the Money in the Bank match, the women's Money in the Bank match? Yeah, I'm excited about both that. I'm excited about uh, Usos, uh, New Day. That should be a good match. That should be a good match. New um, Day feel like they were away just long enough to, to make them feel a little bit fresh again. Yeah. What did you think about the Fashion Files New Day bit? Did you see it? I I caught a replay of it. I didn't see it live. Um, it was good. You know, I think that the Fashion Files, it's going to get stale, but here's what they could do. Why don't you make a half an hour comedic police procedural drama on the network? It wouldn't even have to be a half hour. You could make it – a lot of network shows are between 15 and 25 minutes. You could make there it about a 20-minute procedural. But the you trick is – make a couple seasons of it. Well, the, the, the only problem you have with that is that would kill that bit so fast if you watched it on the network. 
because I think what works now is it's little five minute segments, and well, that's because it's encapsulated change. in the world of a live wrestling show. That's true. If oh. you take it out of that and you make it like a Law and Order parody, Did I think it has more legs. Well, and there's a lot of in jokes in those things too. Do you read the board that comes up on the screen? Like they're yeah, like the they're like mystery, uh, their murder board. Kidmen and all. Oh that. yeah, it's uh, will you look at that kid, men? Yeah. Or get a load of that kid. Dot man. dot dot man. men. And it was, it's really funny. I paused SmackDown. I was watching it on Hulu, free 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 uh free pub there. <laughs> um, and I was watching it, watching the replay. Who? Of it. Who? Who? Lou. Who? Who? Um. But anyways, I was watching the – I paused it, and I looked, and I read everything on the board, and it's fantastic. Yeah. If you're obviously into wrestling enough to be listening to us and you happen to watch SmackDown, go wa- go pause because you will laugh at everything on that board. I was just thinking, like, is there somebody that doesn't like wrestling that listens to us? Like, what are you doing? You're torturing yourself. Actually, I think I know somebody who doesn't really like wrestling that listens to us. Who? So. I'm not. I don't want to name names. Killian is one thing. I don't want to name, bring, uh, drag other people into our into we all, our sewage. We all know Killian hates wrestling. <laughs> Absolutely, it's his least favorite thing. Congrats on that championship, Killian. <laughs> um, but so, anyways, yes. Let's. Uh, we we. So, um, anything else for Money in the Bank? We want to just talk about it more next week. Yeah, we'll we'll do predictions and stuff next week. I think that. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm more excited about it than Great Balls of Fire. Well, that Brock Samoa Joe match. That Brock Samoa Joe match is gonna yeah. be good. I we mean, I'm, I'm more excited about uh, Money in the Bank than I was for like any like backlash or payback or payback pay lash or back pay or back pay lash. Or yeah, yeah, or most of the matches on Extreme Rules, even though it was a good it was a good pay per view. Pay lash back. That's the new one. It's the the mutant hybrid. Pay lashback vengeance. <laughs> when is is vengeance going to be a thing? Is revenge that coming the, back? Revenge of the back pay, aka the story of CM Punk. <laughs> that would be a good one. That would be a good one. Okay, uh, you wanted to move on to something else, and I know what this is, and I'm excited to get into this. So okay, so I I did, I did a lot of prep work. Okay, because this fascinated me. It shows. This fascinated me. I've got papers here and everything. You know, um, so. Uh, I think it was Sporting Journal or, s- or some sports journal did a recent study of all sports. You know, they did football, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, hockey, uh, MMA. Did I say boxing? Not they yet. Did, you haven't. They did boxing and they did pro wrestling. Uh, they they lumped that in. <laughs> just They just threw that in there. Yeah. It's funny how nobody wants to call pro wrestling a sport. Except for it gets wrapped into every sports conversation. It does, yeah. and but it doesn't get it doesn't get paid like sports get paid. It's held to the same standard, but it doesn't get any of the benefits. It doesn't get any of the benefits. Um, you know, like if <laughs> if golf did the ratings that Raw does, diminished as they are of, as of late, they would get so much more from their sponsors than than Raw actually does. Right. Um, it's crazy. But anyway. So they looked at a few things. Um, mainly, they looked at the demographics of these sports. And what they found was all sports are skewing older besides women's tennis, which 
was already old to begin with. So like everything went up a few years in age. So like the the median hockey viewer was thirty nine, and now they're forty one. Um, well, that's sad. And then <laughs> it. I don't know if those are the exact numbers, but everything was older in the forties and fifties. Uh, only thing that went down was women's tennis, which went down from like fifty eight to fifty six. So. Everything's kind of balancing out. Virtually. 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 <laughs> virtually. This, your slips have been perfect tonight. Can we, can we briefly. Rusev. Can we, Virgil. <laughs> can we Can we take Hogan? Hogan, Hogan married Elizabeth on this episode? Um, Listen, guys. Hey, I'm Virgil, sober. <laughs> the scary part is it's true. Virgil was at Extreme Rules. He was. AKA, but it, I'm pretty sure that was Adam Jones. It was of the Adam Jones Orioles. of the O's. Because we, we saw. Okay, so. Back to Extreme Rules for just, just a, a quick second, just because a second. this is great. So I totally forgot about this until you just said it. Anyway, behind the Spanish announcers, because the Royal announcers stood up by the stage, so behind the Spanish announcers at ringside, we noticed there was a re- – first thing I noticed was a really good IRS cosplay. Or when our uh, – Shyster. Shyster. Then we were like, no, that's Virgil. Then we were like, no, that's uh, a million-dollar man right next to him also. And then we were like, oh, there's Stone Cold. And uh, – the Mouth of the South, Booker Jimmy T, Hart. Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. All these cosplays. So come to – we just think it's a group of, like, wrestling nerds, right? W- which you see all the time. Which, yeah, not uncommon. It's not that good, but you see them all the time. But come to find out, it's, like, it's Adam Jones and a few other members of, of the, the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles who had, I'm pretty sure, just played a game. They did. <laughs> that they, morning they, or that d- afternoon. When I pulled when – when I pulled into Baltimore – Earlier that afternoon, they were letting out from the Orioles game. So, so over this game. a few hours later, they are at Royal Farms Arena yeah. taking in, which, if you don't know, Adam Jones of the Baltimore Orioles is a huge, huge yeah. WWE mark. He yeah. carries title belts all the time. He is the one who basically shows the wrestlers around, including our very own James Ellsworth. Ah, yes. Who Mr. Was, uh, Ellsworth. At, he was at uh, the Orioles game the day before on Saturday uh, because, obviously— SmackDown uh, was having a live event on Sunday night. Yeah. Which is always weird. Why would you counter-program? I get that it's a house show, but eh, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, you're making money, and people will still watch it. Like, uh, it's they, not going to cost SmackDown you runs a house show on Monday night. It's not going to cost you pay-per-view buys anymore. So No. Yeah, and people can just watch it. I, You know, I it would be weird. Would you, like, say, um, what's, like, a big, like, say Money in the Bank. Well, that's SmackDown, but say... Say that say Money in the Bank was raw, and it was in California. Would you go to a SmackDown house show and not watch Money in the Bank live, or would you stay home and watch Money in the Bank live and skip the house show that was in your hometown? I think it would depend on the pay-per-view, and it would depend on the card, but I would very much think about it, about yeah. going to the live show instead of going – Instead of sitting at home and watching, it's a, it's a weird toss-up. It must, I I've never encountered that situation. Every time I go to a show in Baltimore, it's always like the only thing well, going on. The last me. time Raw was in Baltimore, SmackDown was the same night, I believe. Um, I could be wrong about this, but SmackDown was in Fairfax, Virginia. Yeah, they usually run. So they that they loop. the tours are pretty close to each other, but they don't run the same cities the same night. Right. Or they don't run a big market the same night. So yeah. they're not going to be in D.C. on Monday uh, for Raw and be in Baltimore on Monday for a live show. Right, They'll be yeah. in Baltimore on Tuesday, generally, is the way it works. Yeah. Uh, at least it used to be that way. It hasn't been that way so much as of late. They, they seem to, to be spreading out 
Raw and SmackDown a little bit more. So, like, Raw, I believe... So, Raw was in... Uh, obviously, was in Baltimore on Sunday, and they were in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Uh, Wilkes-Barre uh, on Monday for Raw. Whereas SmackDown on Sunday night, I think, was either in Upper Pennsylvania or in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when they, when they weren't uh, exclusive rosters, they were much closer to each other because the they talent had to, had to travel. Now they've got these two loops going, and I guess that'll allow them to, to space out, maybe hit the East Coast and West Coast at the same time and, yeah. and do something like that. But um, back to back to what we were talking about. Yeah, we <laughs> took, it a, took a crazy aside for Virgil. Yeah. Um, so the Sports Journal did – they were looking at how old people are that are watching these sports, and they realized that um, in the year 2000 – the WWE, well, not WWE, but pro wrestling in general, the median viewer was 28 years old. And when you just look at WWE, it's 24. Now, in the median, just as a quick aside, just here's your dictionary, your word of the day. Uh, the median is the, s- the basically when you look at a series of numbers that make up your data. Yes, m- Professor Downing. Yes. <laughs> um the median is essentially the central number. It is the one that's smack dab in the middle. Right. Smack down in the middle, if you'd like. So, so it's not the average, right. meaning that you've got, you know, you might have 70% of your audience might be, um, might be in this case. So you said your number was 28 for pro wrestling. 70% of your audience might be 19, you know, somewhere around that age. But maybe the other 40%, just as a, to throw this out there, the other 40% is in their 40s or 50s, and that drags that median up. But the median is just saying that if we counted 95 people, or if we – let me do a number that's easier to do this on. 100? 10? I don't know why. Anything in the DECA system will do. I don't know why I did 95. Let's say you have 37 people, <laughs> and you want 19% of 37. No, I'm just Okay, kidding. so – so basically, if you had ten people, your median number would be five, because that's essentially in the middle. Or if you had eleven, right. your median number would be six, because that's actually in the middle. Right. It's it, it's just a way of finding an accurate um, figure to to basically find what we would use casually as average. But it's just to find that it's just doing away with the outliers. Um, and there's you know in math you can do the the mean, which is the average, the median, which is what is actually in the center of the data if you ran it linearly. You could do the mode, which is the number that appears the most, or you could do the range, which is the biggest and largest number. So there's your little math lesson Thank for the you, day. Professor Brando. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, w- I was good at math before I started getting hit in the head, I, just, like I am, just like I am with talking. Those unprotected <laughs> chair shots, they're, uh, they're yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, they are. So anyway, so the median uh, viewer for the WWE in – the year 2000 was 24 years old. The median age for the same uh, WWE, obviously, in 2016 was 54. 54 years old. Let that sink in. In 16 years, the quote-unquote average viewer went from well, the 24. Median. The median viewer. <laughs> right, I'm using the colloquialism of average. Um there's your grammar lesson of the day. <laughs> Colloquial. Colloquialism. Um, the the median viewer aged 30 years. So what that means basically is it's 
it's really not a young people's uh, sport anymore or entertain form of entertainment anymore. At we, least to say that there are not higher numbers of younger individuals than there are of older. No, absolutely not. And and for a product that time and time and time again puts forward that they are for families and children and there are they, you know they, they had the whole PG movement a couple years back and it's still going strong um to to say that you're a a kid show or a kid product is just totally inaccurate so so in the year 2000 38% of the WWE audience was 17 years old or younger the year 2016 that dropped to nine percent so 91 percent of people watching wwe are 18 or older so so in my opinion you should just stop i'm not saying you should go back to the way it was shown and presented in the attitude era because i don't think that would work either i think you just need to understand what your audience is and i'm, I'm sure they know these numbers i'm sure they have this i just don't understand why they're why they're continuously trying to pander to the younger crowd when it's it's not working you had more kids watching when the product was more risque and when and when you, when you break down so you look at the overall numbers when you break down those percentages 38% 9% that was 38% of like over 6 million people a week versus 9% of under 3 million so you've got like 2.2 million children less watching your show your your um your handwriting over here is and the just the scratching that you have on this paper because i see that you were just kind of writing it down as you were as you were taking it in so you had yeah. it uh it's really a beautiful mind working <laughs> out over here like i told you, there's a lot of math there's a lot of percentages and stuff but um yeah so and, and a lot of people even even you when we were talking about this uh, earlier in the day before we were recording, you had said, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of cord cutting and a lot of younger people aren't having cable. But, you know, on the flip side, in the year 2000, USA Network was only in 78 million homes. And last year it was in 92 million when they when they did all this. So there's more homes have it. And you could say, well, now there's social media and everything. And and it's interest. That's an interesting point. Like, it is is watching Raw on Hulu or another plug, or YouTube, or Twitter even. Is that hurting the Raw viewership on the USA Network? And if it is, it's kind of the WWE's doing because they push social media so heavily, and they don't make money through YouTube or social media. In fact, they make a lot less money now with YouTube's new. Uh, rules and agreements and all that which i would like to get into once you finish this point because uh what, what i'm saying like they they lose money w through social media basically their their main source of revenue in the united states is their tv rights so why would they want you know if it is in fact that's where the younger audience is going why are you pushing them there you know i i don't understand it i think it's just a fact that there's less children watching or the or the people that were you know, younger, maybe 30 years old in the year 2000, just aged and they kept watching. And, of course, a lot of those people, three, you know, on average, 3 million people have given up, stopped watching in those 16 years. So it's a, it's a really interesting um, 
well drop and but i will say this one last point i will say no other sport has ever had a demographic of 17 and under like the wwe had in the year 2000 38 percent is a monster percent to have of 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 that demographic 17 and under so no one has ever touched them but you know the, the problem is they're not touching that number either well the the you could see too where kids would have gotten to about 18 19 and would have decided as especially as the product was changing that they were done with it and that's part of where i'm sure that three million went uh, others continued to grow up into it and then the older group who might have been watching it in 2000 Probably also a chunk of them walked away, but maybe less of them because yeah. if well, you look at the older, the oldest people in that group, possibly were watching in Hogan's run, and it's really because fu- I you figure all right, so somebody who grew up watching Hogan would only be in their thirties right now, into their forties. So you're looking at well, s- I mean, if, let's say you were ten years old in eighty five, right? Because that would have been. Hulkamania, WrestleMania, and everything. So you're born in '75. So now you'd be, you'd be 30, 40, 42, 42 right? now. Yeah. So I I don't think that's at all crazy. The the high the height of that number makes me wonder. I think we're talking too much about the the bottom end of this number. Can we have a quick conversation about why are there 90 year old people watching wrestling on a regular basis? Well, people are living longer, and I I'm. I am personally not 90 years old on the outside. <laughs> um, if, if I went to a knee doctor or a back doctor, maybe, yes, I would be considered 90. Uh, but uh, people are living longer. I don't know why. What what part of WWE is palatable or you know looks attractive to a 90-year-old? But I guess something because obviously there are older than – you well, know, I mean, people, older older people are watching. I throw out ninety. It really is an arbitrary number. I just like I feel like there has to be some balance here. There's got to be somebody, some but people. Here's that another are interesting that number point. Up. Here's another interesting point, though. Um, though live show attendance is down, though the ratings are down, the WWE is more profitable than it's ever been. So maybe your audience gets older and. The old, you know, generally older people are more affluent. Maybe that you know, and you know, if if you sell half the number of tickets at double the price, you're going to make the same money. So, which tickets are more expensive? Tic- they have raised their tickets prices are as expensive as they've ever been. Well, yeah, because I remember they would uh, promo back when I so the ten years ago when I f- first went to some live shows and first went to pay per views and stuff. That was, you know, they were promoing tickets at ten bucks a piece. Now they were in the nosebleeds, obviously. Right. But they were promoting tickets at ten bucks. But a now piece. those same tickets are thirty bucks. You know, twenty five, thirty bucks once you count in everything, and that's essentially what we paid to go right. to docile rules. So, I mean, that's I I understand where that's coming from. Now, obviously, the market changes and yeah. things get more expensive over time. That's just how it works. Right. Inflation and and right. Such and so such. that's. I can understand that, but I think they probably have helped themselves by raising their prices the way they have. The network isn't, I don't think, hurting them at this point. I think but, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's if, profitable because they if, don't release that number. If they're raising um, the cost well, t-shirt, of admission. T-shirt prices and stuff go up too. Merch prices it, go up. But if everything like sell, that goes up, 
disproportionately to just the standard inflationary rate, then are they pricing themselves out of that younger market, that 17 and under, or even that like 25 and under? They might be because, I mean, even even merchandise pricing has gone up, obviously. You know, again, as as it does over the course of time, I know that for as long as I can remember, T-shirts were thirty or were $25. We went to the show. They're 30 and 35. I, I remember and those we are 20. The, those are the regular T-shirts. Those yeah. aren't – because I remember they used to and sell. And you would think that if you buy them at a live event, which I'm assuming is where they sell most of their merch – through live I events. I don't think so anymore. Or like Walmart or something. I would say they probably still sell m- – I would be willing to bet – now, I, I don't know if there are numbers out there for this or not. I'd be willing to bet most of their merch is online because mm. – and a lot of that has due to the fact that you can do sales and things online at random times, and they promote them during Raw and SmackDown Live. Um, I know that they normally s- do promo codes and things. They do them on a fairly regular basis. But if you go to t- if you go to shop right now, they will likely have some sort of T-shirt deal where it's buy one, get one for $5 or $15 T-shirts or buy one, get a T-shirt for a dollar, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's not uncommon. So it, we, you see that stuff, that sort of sales work a lot, and that's one thing when you mark your prices up, it doesn't hurt you to do sales. Yeah, but, like, is I view this as a problem. Not that the audience is older, just that the fact that they're not – owning it you know they're not presenting well a more sophisticated product and i'm not saying like hardcore deathmatch just give us more in-depth storylines that you know people can get into because we've noticed that right we've noticed that the popular tv shows aren't the you know episodic sitcoms that are half an hour and no episode has any continuity with the other one like it used to be there are now, some that do that, but right. But the, now the, the major shows, the Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, the, those are the major shows that are doing major numbers, and they have intricate, ongoing week to week storylines, and people will come along for the ride. Well, it's 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 what used to be boutique TV, has become the mainstream, and the that's part of the reason that that's part of the reason that the film industry has been has been hurting uh, because the mega blockbusters make money but anything other than that doesn't. It's really right, hard and there, for them. And there's no secondary recourse. It used to be the DVD market or the home video market. Well, streaming does offset a lot of that not but in the not same to way. the same way yeah. it used to. Now, yeah. that all being said, it's a matter of, I think the WWE is actually looking at this because if you think about it, we're getting better wrestling than we've ever seen out of the WWE. Part of that is natural evolution of the business itself. You see that on the independents. If it starts happening on the independents, eventually WWE will catch up to it. Um, that being said, we are seeing an active push by WWE to sign some of the best wrestling talent that's on the independents. Guys like Roderick Strong. Guys who... They were probably way late Adam to the party, Cole. but Adam Cole, uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and a lot of that started with guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, even though they really were ahead of their time because they weren't really – they came probably too early to the yeah. WWE. That being said, without them, would these other guys be coming? Because I think – I think it opened as, the door, certainly. As soon as Daniel Bryan retires, and or as soon as they realize that Bryan is not coming back, do you think they sign AJ Styles if he's coming back? I feel like they occupy the same role. Not necessarily like in the wrestling AJ style. Styles? So I'm saying 
So Daniel Bryan, they know that he's going to retire. Or they know there's really— he, He's not going to stay with the company when his contract's up next year. Well, no, I'm not talking—I'm talking a year ago. Oh, oh. I'm so talking before they sign AJ Styles. Oh, so you're saying what is their mindset when they know Daniel's going to stop? When they know stop? he's not going to wrestle for them anymore or there's a really good likelihood it's never going to happen. They go sign AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Gallows and Anderson. So well, I think like I, I and I think part I of don't that know is if one thing begots the other, but well, because think about it though, just would AJ Styles have been in the same spot and been shoved to the forefront quite as quickly as he was if Daniel Bryan is still wrestling full time? Because these are two know, smaller guys with what independent heard, credit. What I've always heard is that it was a big what if, right? So it's not like they just started thinking about AJ Styles two years ago. No, they've been thinking about AJ Styles for a long time, and for he like is a decade. He's even he's even said um, that he they approached him before, right? And it, the circumstances weren't right, right? So, but what I'm saying is, to my understanding, they were going to bring him in for that um, Royal Rumble, which I think was in like Orlando or somewhere where he was over. Well, right? tw- 2016 Royal Rumble was in Orlando. Yeah, so he's over in Orlando because of TNA, obviously. So. They, they're going to bring him in for that and see how he does. Then he gets that monster reaction, right? And and people legitimately want him to win that Royal Rumble. Except from Roman, who Except looked very confused. <laughs> yeah. And we know this because they showed nobody but Roman for 20 seconds. Um, So I think, I think maybe they picked him up just to see. I don't know if when they were signing him, they were like, okay, this guy's Daniel Bryan's replacement or anything like that. I think they, they fill the same role, though. As far as the smaller guy wrestled around the world has a ton of indie credit, yeah. And the casual, the the main, the I should say, the hardcore fans know who he is and will cheer for him regardless. He just has to win over the mainstream, which he did. He, al- he, he also had the bu- the Bullet Club stuff, right? And I think which that a lot they have a lot of the uh, uh, so founding members of the Bullet Club now. AJ Styles in a recent um, interview on a another podcast. Um, that I happen to be listening to, um, he mentioned that they came back to him. They came to him when he left Impact originally, TNA back in 2014, and that offer there was an offer on the table, but he couldn't be AJ Styles because if he had come back during that time, AJ Lee is still a, is still there at that point. Can't have two people with the same name. Can't have two people named AJ. That would never have happened. That's why Cole Cabana came in. Well, not similarly. Cole Cabana came in as Scotty Goldman because Carlito had a segment called Carlito's Cabana. So you see how stupid that is. (laughs) Incredibly. But so Styles knew that he was never going to be able to come in as somebody else and be as impactful. So between that the fact that Daniel Bryan was essentially running on top at the time, he went to Japan. And it ended up being a great career move for him because two years later, he's in WWE. And he's AJ Styles. And he's AJ Styles, and he's got all the – it's the same guy that left Japan. It's the same character. The same thing with Nakamura. Mm -hmm. So we're now – Which, by the way, really put uh, New Japan in a tough spot. AJ Nakamura, Gallows, Anderson, all leaving in the same well, place. Well, they're one of their their one of their biggest. So they're two two of their absolute biggest name stars, and one of their biggest name tag teams walked out at the same time. Yeah. And 
remember Nakamura and Styles had that classic at Wrestle Kingdom 10 for the IWGP Intercontinental title. And Styles didn't have a belt on him, so that was no problem. They rode him out of the Bullet Club. Nakamura was Intercontinental Champion. He made that belt again. And he and had to essentially... And they had just taken uh, Devitt. So... Yeah, so, you know, and now Prince Devitt wasn't quite on the same level as Nakamura and Styles. Just he never got that type of well, in big New Japan, run. He was a big, he was a huge name. He was a big name. He's the leader of the Bullet Club. He was a big name, but he was never like in the World Championship. He didn't have a World Championship run, or a, I should say, an not, IWGP Championship. Not run. yet. That's not to say he wouldn't have gotten yeah. there, but it just that wasn't there. It didn't happen. He had just he had just won the Super Juniors, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. But so to me, there's three things in wrestling, right? You can boil it down to three things. Uh, Body, promo, wrestling skill. One of those three things is always going to be what the focus is. So in the 80s, you had bodies. That was the focus. In the 90s, you had promos. That was the focus. Today, it's the wrestling. Now, wrestling is cyclical, so eventually it's not going to be the wrestling anymore. It's going to be the promos, or it's going to be the body, or what have you. I think it's probably going to go back to the body for a little bit, at least with, um, if if another company wants to come up, like, say, Billy Corgan's NWA, if they want to come up, they're going to have to rely on catching people right off the bat visually. Um, I, I'm, I'm just speculating, but it's one of those three things is always going to be big be big and subsequently those are the three things the only three things that a wrestler himself or herself can control you can you can control how good you are if you train at wrestling or at promos and if you train your body you can control what your body looks like so those are all that's that's what you it boils down to so yes, wrestling right now is at the forefront. That's not to say bodies and promos aren't important. They're just not the main thing right now. The main thing is the athleticism. But is that more profitable, more marketable, what have you? Does that do better business than when it was the promos or than when when it was the bodies that was the at the forefront? Well, I can tell you the wrestlers probably had longer careers in those first two Eras Maybe not with the bodies, you know, because you got to do a lot of stuff. I guess that's true. But I think we saw a lot more out of the promo, that 90s era with guys that could last longer because yeah. a lot of guys who started in the 90s are still wrestling. It's Whereas, true. can you see a guy like a Will Ospreay or a Ricochet, those types of guys who do a lot of the fast-paced work, can, do you see them being able to wrestle into their 40s and 50s? You know, I don't know. Ospreay is moving at an incredible fast pace and he's gone strong the last couple of months but it's like you ca- you can't do that style every night you just you i mean maybe he can, maybe he's an alien and he can do it but <laughs> eventually the the other sh- uh, shoe's going to drop and his somebody is going to mess up or he's going to mess up and it's going to be bad and and once you start tacking on those I know he's already had some bad injuries but once you start tacking them on more and more and more then you become more limited I mean Austin had to completely change the way he wrestled after his neck injury so you know if something like that happens to Osprey can he get by 
he doesn't have a giant bodybuilder body. Mm-hmm. Can he get by on his promo skills? I'm not sure. Does it help to be a guy more along the lines of – now, this is a, the extreme in the complete other direction. Um, a guy like Zack Sabre Jr. or a guy like Pete Dunne, who – these are guys who do more in-ring work, who are more technical. Dunne's more of a brawler, but – and Zack Sabre is, is a you know lightning-quick technician. These are two different styles, but styles that don't have the high risk quite the same way, True, but, but still, still get reactions. It still goes to that third category of wrestling skill. That's what they're that's what they're marketing themselves on, I should say. And that is what is in demand right now, basically. So if that goes to the wayside and wrestling skill isn't as important as your promo or as your body, then then they're in trouble. You know, I think the best thing you can do is be different. Because right now, if you get into wrestling and you want to be the best in-ring technical wrestler, that's great. But don't think that you're going to be able to rise up and be better than Will Ospreay or Zack Sabre Jr. or AJ Styles. You know, don't think that that's going to be easy. So, like, I mean, go go for it. Nothing in wrestling is going to be easy. But, you know, I, I think for me the best thing is to be different. So right now I'm working really hard on my body and – and that's not to say I'm neglecting the wrestling skill or not practicing promos or anything like that, but I'm 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 trying to be different. You know, if I can be six three and solid muscle, two hundred and fifty pounds, I can cut a decent promo and I can wrestle a decent match. Then I've got something marketable that's not really. There's not really a, a, a you know an abundance of that in the marketplace right now. Well, especially not in the independent scene. Certainly not. You know. There's some, I mean, there's some guys. There's some guys, absolutely. Uh, there's always going to be some guys that that fill that role. But uh, and this is not a knock on independent no, wrestlers not. I'm by any stretch of the imagination. They, these in, a lot of independent wrestlers do really good work, and the ones that I have seen live this year have a lot. I've seen a lot of guys do some incredible things, but you do see independent wrestlers. They you get a lot of varying body types and you get a lot of varying different skills. And, and people will say that doesn't matter as much anymore. The body doesn't matter as much anymore. And right, they're correct. At this moment in history, it does not matter as much as it did 10, 20 years ago. But it will, you know, and that's what you got to think about. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how wrestling evolves. And, and it's really not just wrestling. I mean, because if you look at UFC back in the day, they were more built around the you know freak show fights and the monsters and the movie stars and all of that not to say they were kayfabe or anything but they were they were built around that kind of spectacle and yeah. now that whole sport has shifted to who's actually the best in the cage yeah it was ufc to start was literally mixed martial arts was only a thing cuz they were they were mixed martial arts in the cage together yeah it wasn't just and cage fighting in and of itself got a really bad reputation in the early 90s, and UFC didn't necessarily help themselves. But early on in the history that UFC would like you to see is their first event was uh, Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock. And Hoist Gracie was given up 100 pounds and probably six or seven inches to Ken yeah. Shamrock, and he beat Ken Shamrock because he was just a superior grappler he was superior on the ground and that's how he beat shamrock who is this big wrestler who 
wasn't able to keep Gracie off his back. So it was one of those things where that the spectacle was, can the little guy beat the big guy? Or, you know, right. wh- whose style wins out? Now, when you look at UFC, UFC is everyone is good at everything. Yeah, Everyone is world-class at almost every skill that's needed. You've got high-end Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys who are also high-end boxers who are also high-end wrestlers. So it's and one of those some of them can cut a pretty decent promo. <laughs> we see you, Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, of course, who cut some vicious promos. Chael Sonnen, yeah, uh, to name. But a here's few. the thing: even with that, Josh though, Barnett, who is also a wrestler. Even with that, so uh, it was either Sweden or Poland. They just they just put her on an MMA show with like the UFC of their country, and they drew like something crazy, like fifty five thousand people to it. And it was all built on their celebrities, their movie stars, their TV personalities, mixed in with legit MMA fighters having matches. You know, like, so you'd have the MMA division championship, and then you'd have this, you know, quote-unquote freak show fight between this bodybuilder and this person from a TV show. Sounds a little like pride with a little bit more showmanship. Yeah, yeah. So that's that MMA has done that too, but... Now we're getting to a point in MMA, right? So Connor is maybe he'll fight Mayweather, but that's probably it. We're not going to get uh, you know another long run out of Connor McGregor. He did his part. We're looking at who's the best fighter in UFC right now, and most people, most um, analysts and specialists agree that it's Demetrius Johnson. But when you put Demetrius Johnson on a card, he doesn't draw. Doesn't even if even if you put all the promotion of the UFC behind him. He doesn't draw, even though he's, you know, across the panel, he's agreed. That's the best in-cage fighter in, in a sense that he, he actually might be the best MMA fighter of all time in, in the sense that he doesn't have any gaps, any weaknesses in his in his fighting. There's nowhere where you can get to him. And he's a flyweight, which he's a smaller guy, so he doesn't really have the giant body. 125 pounds yeah. is the flyweight division, and they are small. I am taller than <laughs> Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. No, but I'm trying to tie this back, so he doesn't have the giant body, he doesn't have any sure. great promo skills, he doesn't have a lot of charisma, but he his his fighting skills, which would be similar to the wrestling skills, are what's high, but we're seeing that that's not really working that great anymore for the UFC, or at least not in not in this year so far. So is that a metric that you could say, okay, if this is already happening in MMA, when's it going to happen to wrestling? When's it going to happen to pro wrestling? Is it going to be next year, two years, five years from now? Eventually it's going to happen. And then when that does happen, the WWE will be pretty much starved for people that can do either or the other two. Because, yeah, some of the people cut some pretty good promos, but, you know, by and large, if you look at the whole show, you know, you might get a good one, and that's Paul Heyman, <laughs> you know. So it it's really interesting, and it's really interesting to see where it'll go and what they'll do. I think there's always going to be a need for wrestling. There's, you know, you can put all the glitz and glamour around it, but eventually the bell has to ring, and, and that's what it comes down to. But, you know, some of the greatest – storylines and matches that there have ever been really the the final match wasn't like if you compare it to today it'd be like wow that's they're not doing anything you know 
just just at the amount and the pace that today's going through. But anyway, we've we've been on this for long enough. Would you like to talk about? We we are at about time uh, because it is we have just crossed our hour threshold. So um, keep it very brief. We'll we'll have I just a wanted quick to discussion about YouTube. I okay. want to I want to talk about YouTube because I, I mentioned it earlier. Um, if you don't know, YouTube's algorithm recently went through an update, and this has been in the last couple of months. And YouTube's algorithm is an automated, essentially an automated uh, program that runs through because no human can sit and watch every video on YouTube because there are like every second, I think it's like 100 or 200 or 300 or 1,000, some crazy number hours of content is dumped onto YouTube. How they make money is through sponsor dollars. So their algorithm essentially makes sure that there is no video that is deemed inappropriate. Things like hate speech or violence or you know unnecessary violence or gore or anything that gets attached to a sponsor. And this all actually came up, I believe the apex of this problem came up with uh, a lot of advertisers were very unhappy with one PewDiePie, who is the biggest uh, YouTube star, I guess, as it were. He has the most subscribers of anybody on YouTube. And he did something that irked a lot of sponsors. He, um, I don't know if we want to get into it for too long because it's not really the point. Well, I don't know, so, so you should tell me. Okay, so essentially he just wanted to show how you could get anybody to do anything on these, like, pay for this and we'll do it type websites. And it was he paid a couple of uh, people from, I don't remember the country, so I don't want to insult anybody, uh, but he paid a couple of people from a country to basically say uh, something very anti-Semitic oh, just okay. to prove that it, he could do it. And it wasn't so much the thing of he – now, he has said that he is not himself anti-Semitic, but he was just trying to make a point. But hard to make that point because yeah. everybody saw what, what it was, and if you just look at it black and white, it was pretty bad. Right. So anyways, that's really beyond the point. That's essentially the baseline for where we got to where we are. Uh after that happened, YouTube had a lot of advertisers that were advertising on his videos. He's got he had at the time somewhere around 15 million subscribers, which is huge. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of this person. He's a he's a let's player who does a lot of like okay. skits and stuff. Um, anyways, he uh, after that backlash happened, YouTube adjusted their algorithm so that it would find more uh, inappropriate content more easily. And what that did is it started marking things as things that were not family friendly. So advertisement would not sh advertisements would not show up in front of it. They also made it so that if you didn't get if your video didn't have ten thousand views or more, it wouldn't get an advertiser in front of it. So what that started to do, uh, the other impact on that is a lot of industries got caught in the crossfire because the algorithm went too far. And one of those industries is professional wrestling. Specifically, indie wrestling. Uh, professional wrestling right now is viewed as unfamily-friendly on YouTube. Um, and because of this, a lot of wrestling videos are no longer getting ad revenue, or if they are, it's very little from YouTube because these advertisers don't realize it, but their videos aren't playing in front of uh, as part of these videos. And a lot of guys like... Um, uh, one of the biggest examples right now is What Culture Pro Wrestling, which is from the uh, British company What Culture, 
They started as a basically just a website that did uh, articles on like movies and things like that. And then they started doing top 10 countdowns for wrestling. And they had this whole wrestling thing, and it blew up, exploded. And they've got over a million subscribers now. And um, anyways, they started their own wrestling promotion, and they started airing it on YouTube for free. And it was it was getting doing good numbers. It was doing really good numbers. And uh, we'll get to those in just a second. But basically, they were running a weekly show that they would film over for uh, basically a few months' worth of uh, shows, and then it would take a break, and it would come back. And they were started doing iPay-Per-Views, and they were doing really well, and they were drawing in big names. Kurt Angle and Cody Rhodes had a match there last year, um, and they've been pulling these big names both in England and across the globe, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., these, these you know, not small names by any stretch. So fast forward to a couple of months ago. The algorithm hits. Professional wrestling is not – those videos are not getting ad dollars anymore. They can no longer, and What Culture Pro Wrestling is a big example, they can no longer make money on their videos that way anymore. So, And they've canceled all like upcoming live events due to that. So they still will do live events, but they'll only do ones that are paid for, meaning you have to pay to see it. So they can't do weekly television anymore, uh, or weekly television. They can't do weekly programs anymore. So in the example they used is they showed – they had a, a match between Alberto Del Rio and Rey Mysterio, uh, excuse me, Alberto El Patron and Rey Mysterio that they had from uh, a few months ago that aired. It did over 1.2 million views at the time that they were talking about it, made $43 in total for, for what culture. So they can't afford to do that. Which should have been, you know, thousands of dollars. Yeah, it should have been a lot more than that. and Which would allow them to continue doing matches like that. So it's stifling the, the ability of these organizations and these channels to continue putting product out. Um, what culture is one that's being hurt by it? Wrestling with Regret, uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels, is being hurt by it. And that's run by uh, a guy who is an independent wrestler and manager out in California. Um who quit his job 10 months ago to do YouTube full-time. And now he's had a hard, huge pay cut, because a huge cut in his revenue, because that's what he does. He does wrestling videos. And it's not anything crazy. He's not even doing live wrestling. He's just doing reviews of wrestling movies or, uh, you know, countdowns of... Notoriously bad things, usually. Yeah, and, and notoriously bad in quality, not necessarily in content. Yeah. So, you know, he's not showing blood or he's not being violent or he, he barely curses. Um, but it's considered unfamily friendly and it's really hurting. What's interesting, though, is I wonder if PewDiePie actually got their advertising cut or. If he did. He okay. makes millions doing that. And he makes millions in YouTube advertisement alone, or he did, um, because. And he also makes his money. Um, he does. He had his. He had a deal with Disney at the time. He had his own YouTube, like YouTube Red show. He had some um, advertisers, some sponsor deals that backed away from him as part of that. But, and uh, this is not specifically PewDiePie was kind of the tipping point. This was already happening, and YouTube I think was already looking into it, fixing it. What they did is in the reaction they overreached, and yeah, one I of the biggest things that 
matter to us in pro with professional wrestling got caught in the crossfire. And there's a lot of organizations now that are, you know, independent promotions that can't run shows because they're they're not making money on them. And they should set up an appeals process or, or something like a review process, at least for some of these companies. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous that they can just say, you know, this is the new rule. Sorry. Sorry about it. And this is not a and this is not a a defense of everything pro wrestling that's on YouTube. No. There's some there's some crap out there. Yeah. But this algorithm needs to be improved, and you cannot throw the entirety of an industry like professional wrestling, which appeals to a very wide swath of individuals, and largely doesn't have any problem. It's you know like I said, it's treated as a sport with the negative, but doesn't get any of the benefits. It's the redheaded stepchild of the sporting and entertaining and entertainment industries. So, I mean, I've seen worse things that are like football clips that get yeah. advertisements on YouTube. Not necessarily from NFL, but people will put clips of people getting injured or yeah. you know, disgraceful things that football players or basketball players or hockey players or anything else are doing and those are fine. Those get ad dollars. Why can professional wrestling not? And it's really hurting yeah. a lot of people who why youtube we want you to tell us anyway we, we would want you to tell us uh <laughs> but this is something that we should uh if you're listening to this and you enjoy wrestling content um, obviously we're not on youtube thankfully yeah um we are able to do this without being on youtube at this point and you won't even let me swear i won't let you swear um but uh we are not on youtube but what you should do is look for ways to try and let YouTube know if you do like wrestling content that this is not okay. Um, I I mentioned what culture pro wrestling. Go follow them on Twitter. They actually have a uh, somebody started a uh, change.org petition to send to YouTube. So just sign your name on it and uh, just say that this is not something that you're okay with. This is an industry that in most instances has done nothing wrong and a lot of people enjoy but is really hurtful to the people trying to make a living in this industry that use YouTube as a medium and YouTube needs to fix this algorithm sooner rather than later yeah absolutely and uh, last thing I want to do I just want to wrap up because we've been talking about it for a few weeks um, best of the super juniors ended this week I just want to you know detail the ending of that real quick uh, Kushida won Best of the Super Juniors. This is his second win. He won in uh, 2015. He joins uh, Jushin Liger, Chris Benoit, Koji Kanemato, Tiger Mask, uh, Prince Devitt, who you know as Finn Balor, as the only uh, multi-time winners in the history of the Best of the Super Juniors. Uh, he beat Will Ospreay in the main event uh, using his newly invented finisher, which is a package power bomb called Back to the Future. Uh, overall, business was up for the tournament 7% from last year, and uh, th that's pretty impressive seeing as Tanahashi has a torn bicep, so he was off the entire tour, mm -hmm. and Okada only worked the last uh, two or three shows. So business was up in lieu of all that. Next big show for New Japan Pro Wrestling is Dominion coming up very soon, featuring mostly rematches from Wrestle Kingdom this ja past January including the uh, the biggest rematch of all, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. 
Uh, Dominion has already sold out the Osaka Joe Hall. Uh, it's the fastest sellout in New Japan history, and it will break the indoor gate record for the uh, Osaka Joe Hall. New Japan is on a roll, and they are getting bigger internationally, and it's something I really like to see. It's a good, it's a different style. I yeah, enjoy. there's just one thing that's up in the air. Is this where you pull the trigger and you have Kenny Omega become IWGP heavyweight champion and try to break in and make a real strong push to break into the North American market? Which we know they're trying to do as they have already announced the uh, the new IWGP United States Championship, which a little silly looking, but actually I actually kind of like. Uh, yeah. The title belt looks pretty cool. And it, that will be... Uh, I believe that will be awarded to, I don't know who they're going to have fight for this belt, but they're having a G1 special that's going to be in uh, Southern California in July. And um, I believe that title will be awarded as part of that run of programming. And that should be really cool. Yeah, yeah. but New I Japan, mean, come to the East Coast. <laughs> I will go to New York to see New Japan show right now. I think a lot of people would. But the, the thing is, do you have... Omega do it when Omega's very near future is up in the air. Is he going to stay? Is he going to If he wins the belt, I assume he's staying. He could he, he you know, if, if, he if doesn't, WWE makes an offer. If he doesn't win the belt, that probably well the rumors are going to continue if he doesn't win the belt. If he wins the belt, the rumors die down. But I don't think New Japan cares about any of that cuz you could leave the belt on Okada, and everybody would be okay with that. Okada's a fantastic wrestler, and Dominion has, he's will really be over. Okada's one-year anniversary as champion. I believe it's his second reign, and he has had one of the greatest years of any wrestler in any time in pro wrestling. Which is funny, because that's what people were saying about Kenny Omega after he won the G1 Climax last year. Yeah. Which so. was a big achievement. New Japan in on fire, doing really crazy stuff, and uh, I suggest you go back and watch some of the highlights from this year's Best of the Super Juniors. Uh, maybe, maybe the best main event in the history of the tournament. That's what people are saying. Uh, certainly, some of the best matches in the history of the tournament, and uh, really great, really great uh, comeback story, come from behind story with uh, Kushida. So a lot. A lot there. Next week, we will uh, take a look at Money in the Bank because we're already to Money in the Bank. <laughs> I really, really hope next year they slow down on these pay-per-views because they slowed down. They slowed? They slowed now, down. Now, it, now it's you. I've infected you with the Now slur. it's because it's, it's late and I'm tired. It's a contact high. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, hey. Um, anyways, uh, they slowed down a little bit from the end of last year after the draft, which was a little bit insane. Yeah. But it still feels like too many. I, I feel we need more than two weeks between these. I feel it's uh, you know, for the stockholders. I feel it's like we we did this much live attendance. Well, it's because you did a pay per view every two weeks, you know. Well, that's okay. We are one pay per view away from the road to great balls of fire, which is going to be fifties themed. Apparently, from the looks of it, apparently that's it's the actual theme song. For the sh for the show, you I know how that happened, right? They've been working to get the rights for this for thirty years. They finally gotten it. Well, what actually happened was they named the pay per view. They released real quick. They released it as Great Balls of Fire, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, his lawyer is also Jerry Lawler's lawyer, 
So the lawyer called Jerry Lawler and said, hey, who do I contact in the WWE to talk about copyright infringement? And he said, whoa, wait, what's going on? And they're like, well, Jerry Lee Lewis isn't happy that they're calling it Great Balls of Fire. Anyway, uh, Lawler tells his lawyer who to contact. One thing leads to another. Not only are they calling it Great Balls of Fire, but the theme song is Jerry Lee Lewis' Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> so that may have been part of the deal. So I'm pretty sure some of that – I'm pretty sure some of that sweet WWE dollars in Jerry Lee Lewis's account right now. Yeah, oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I think that's how that went but down. But I thought that was funny that they had the same lawyer. Anyway, that's let's get not, into uh, – Go Memphis. <laughs> go uh, Memphis. Okay, that's that's it. We're going to get into Money in the Bank next week, um, and uh, that will do it for this week. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. You have anything you'd like to leave the audience? Just find me on uh, – Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at LeeBrando underscore, and find me on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. I'll be the guy with the nice biceps. Even though you're going to get plugged for that momentarily anyways. Well, I thought we were wrapping up doing a quick version of it. No, no, I have the plugs. They're pre-recorded. Oh, pre-recorded plugs. <laughs> yes, I do. We're live, pal. <laughs> anyway, hey, thank you guys for listening. Uh, shoot us an email, do whatever. Uh, come listen, back next week. Listen to the plugs. Listen to the plugs. And uh, you never know where a certain deadliest catch will be popping up. Hopefully right here next week. Hopefully right here next week. Keep up with the show throughout the week by following us on Twitter at Barricade Show. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. And keep up with each new episode at soundcloud.com slash barricade show. Also subscribe to the podcast on Google Play and iTunes, just search for Over the Barricade Podcast. Follow Lee Brando on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore. We'll see you next week right here in the Cheap Seats. Cheap Seats.